Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. In a world of fake news, we bring you up-to-the-minute factual inaccuracy and a heavy dose of moral truth. With your hosts, Kyle Mann and Ethan Nicole. This is the Babylon Bee. Fake news you can trust. Welcome, everybody, to the Babylon Bee. I'm Kyle Mann. I'm Ethan Nicole. And this is a high-energy podcast. Two guys who are amped up, not on drugs, but on Jesus. And we talk about the news. That's right. We take you the news, the latest news, and then we re-talk about it. We re-talk about it. Did you say re-talk about it? We almost said read it. We don't just read it. We talk about (laughs) reading it. And then we, we, we give you, like, news. We give Why you is like a giant news. wall of books here? <laughs> this is a giant wall of books because our custom subscribers, and I think that's... This is like a weird Laurel and Hardy bit where you're like sitting here signing books as I just stare at you. Because I wasn't with the B when this book I, was made, so okay, I'm just sitting We're here. on a little bit of a time crunch today, <laughs> and I told Dan every time I'm supposed to sign books, I procrastinate and it takes me forever. And we are in need. You're so famous. We are in need of. <laughs> you have to be blowing on it. <laughs> because it gets all it, when you close it, it gets all inky on the. That's true. Thing. Is it is it a wet marker? No, but sometimes it gets smudges. So. Yeah. Anyway, our custom subscribers <laughs> get a signed copy of How to Be a Perfect Christian, the Babylon Bee book. Yeah, and what is this? so this is. Is this the work of Twitter? This is. The work of Twitter, yes. <laughs> so we got we'll talk about that suspended later, on Twitter, and we had an outpouring of support from subscribers, yeah, subscribers new subscribers, like, like ten minutes. We got suspended for like an hour and a half. Oh, felt like ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, everybody rallied around us, which was awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. You know? I, I'm, I was very impressed. And there was a bunch of other satirical accounts that got. Shut yeah, down. And I think some of them aren't even back yet. I know uh, Titania McGrath took a while. She just came back. I think she just came back. But she actually had an offending tweet that they that they didn't like. Yeah. And I, I saw it and wasn't... I mean, satire was, was clearly yeah. not uh, anything, any hate speech or anything. For us, it was just, you guys are spam. Yeah. Well. It seemed like that they had some kind of an automated filter that... Must have been, yeah. ...hit us, but it was only hitting like conservative satire accounts. Mm-hmm. So I, it was bizarre. Is there left satire accounts? Oh, there's got CNN. Be. CNN, that's true. Oh, Dan's like, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we'll, we'll talk about you, the Twitter, Twitter thing in a bit. But yeah, thank you, supporters, because now I have to sign 100 books. Oh, <laughs> oh your like, hard life. This is the humble brag. Oh, oh man, my wrist oh, man. hurts from signing all these new books. Book. We have a new book coming. You guys have heard about it. Yeah, this is actually the old book, which is still it's going out to subscribers. I wonder if we'll get the new, the new book. I'll start going out. So I don't like know. If this book is like a pocket knife. The new book is a giant machete. Yeah. So this giant coffee table, beautiful embossed, debossed, embossed yeah. again, gold foil, bookmark, 
glorious full color images. The book images. printer told us it was the most beautiful book they've ever done. Yeah. And they do a lot. And they do the Earthworm Jim books, which are beautiful. Yeah. They told us we want to make a giant Bible looking book. So we're going all out on this thing. Yeah. So this was Texture. a, this was original satire that we wrote. That was like a, a field guide to going to church for the first time. How do you find a church? How do you mm -hmm. go to church shopping? All that. So the, the one that we're working on is a compilation of all of our. Uh, Best of the sacred text. For like 400 articles. Was it 350 articles? Something like yeah, that from like the first. Almost 300 pages. Redone photoshops. Absolutely beautiful. Glorious. Anyway. Let's move on we to... Uh, We're going to go on to Stuff That's Good. But now, this week's edition of Stuff That's Good. So, Kyle, what's good? Oh, I don't know. My wrist is hurting here. It's hard to think. <laughs> Do you need a wrist massage? Sure. Um, <laughs> weird. <laughs> you don't like this comedy bit? We thought it would be funny for the video. I don't care. <laughs> I wonder if I can get through them all. <laughs> if they're all common, the it makes it longer. Although we did pre-record the topic of the week. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So we won't have that time to sign. Uh, my stuff that's good. I watched a movie this week. I think it was on Amazon Prime for free. You know, if you subscribe to Amazon Prime called The Peanut Butter Falcon. It got a little bit of attention when it came out like last year-ish. I remember hearing about it. Um, it's just awesome. Moving. Is it's it Shia LaBeouf? Shia, Shia, Shia LaBeouf, who's uh, LaBeouf. I don't know how you say it. I, I said Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. LaBeouf? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, is he, it the one where he's an actor? Or he's a kid actor? He's always an actor. Well, no. Yeah, he's always an actor. But the one it's about, it's no. like his life story. No, he's like a redneck... Uh, crab fisherman or lobster okay. fisherman or something and he's down on his luck and he was like a drunk driver who like you know he messed up his life real bad and hmm. he's down on his luck and then there's a, a young man like early 20s with down syndrome that the state has kind of failed and he's fallen through the cracks and he ended up he ends up having to live at a, uh, a retirement home hmm. and so like nobody pays attention to him and whatever and so but his, his dream is to become a pro wrestler so he breaks out of the... Oh, that's cool. He breaks out of the retirement home and like greases the bars and slips Wait, through. So is he super old if he's in a retirement home? No, the state... That's the only place the state had to put him. Oh, uh, okay. And I wonder if that really happens. I don't know. I didn't really hmm. look into it, but... Um, so he's with all these old people and this... You know, and they're all like telling him, yeah, live your dream, be a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes on this road trip and then the, the Shia LaBeouf character's on, on the run too and they end up joining. It's kind of a Mark Twain sort of... They build a raft and float down the river to get to the, It's <laughs> a little fantastical, like it's obviously over the top. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was just great. And, you know, so many movies that, you know, don't really have a pro-life message to this one was very, like, you know, all human life is valuable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a big part of the, of the whole pro-life thing is, is you know, we we do believe people with Down syndrome are valuable and just have just as much value value as you and me. And, in fact... Sometimes they're a lot happier than we are. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to be learned from from people with Down syndrome. Down syndrome. So I, I, it was it was fantastic. So. Like if, if you could go out on Twitter and just like see certain people, and there's a button, or it's like, please replace this Twitter account with someone with Down syndrome. <laughs> there would be a lot of <laughs> a lot almost of people everybody. Switch. Yeah, like almost everybody happier, more positive, just a better outlook on life in general. I would switch myself yeah. with somebody yeah. with Down syndrome. Be a better father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, mine is uh, not so uplifting and nice. Uh, huge warning. It's like really graphic and dark and like... <laughs> this is very unbrand. Very murdery. Uh, it is an Amazon Prime uh, true true crime series that just came out. The Last Narc. 
It's about the uh, drug cartel people. Uh, who's the big one? Not the. Uh, I'm blanking out on the guy's name. I guess I can. Um, who's like one of the, some of the big drug guys? Not Carlos Mencia. Not not Carlos Mencia. <laughs> John Leguizamo. No, not him. Hold on. Uh, Harold. So you don't know who this is about? Pablo I, Escobar. It's not. It's the other one, not Escobar, oh. the other big one. Chapo. El Chapo. El, El Chapo. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, it came back. Had to, Joaquin had to Guzman. Up. Joaquin yeah. El Chapo Guzman. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So th- this story, it's been a while since I watched it, but I was like, I got to talk about this. They interviewed these guys that were like his bodyguards and worked for him, and they were in, they're basically part of a lot of like... Is this a documentary? Worst, it's a documentary, the worst stuff that happened there and the uh, story of what really happened to this FBI, I think it was FBI or CIA agent who was captured, tortured, murdered. And, uh, and they're really like, it's, it's a really emotional, like they're coming clean about the worst things they've ever done in their life. And it's very like, it's just amazing to see these guys like kind of letting it off, even though they know like they've spent their life afraid of being murdered or killed or, or their family. So how long ago was all the... Is like in the 80s or whatever okay. during the big so drug like war old days. Guys now. Yeah, they're old guys now, but they're intense. Like this is one guy. They're it's all pent up, but uh, it's just, it, but yeah, it's it's the drug cartel, so it's pretty bad. Some of the stuff that happens in there. It's a doesn't have a pro life message. It's not. It's pro life in the sense that torturing and murdering people is pretty horrible. So we should do the opposite of that. <laughs> a stunning and brave message. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you're into those crime stories and stuff, it's just, it was pretty good. I what is with good. the, there's a huge fascination with all the drug stuff now. I don't know if it was Breaking Bad that brought that into the. Maybe. But like Narcos came out and that was. Narcos. I was into that till I didn't get all the way through it. But I feel like I saw four or five of these shows come out. I think what's time. just fascinating about it is that you don't really know the like extent. Like these guys have, they bury huge amounts of money in the jungle they just find places they have so much money they don't know what to do with it they're burying like money that like this you live in it like the size of a house just piles and piles of cash they're trying to figure out what to do with all this freaking money they're making from drugs and they're just they live like kings and the whole old chat uh what's his name escobar that guy he lived in like a, he had multiple castles or giant mansions and homes and uh and even when he was supposedly like in prison, he basically they let him like live in his home and just party all the time. And anyway, you can watch that. So on he Narcos. was just on house arrest, like in this. Yeah, it was like a house arrest, but there's, and he still had all his bodyguards. He had all his women over there and drugs, and everything. And he would walk around in the streets and just hand out piles of money to everybody to make everybody like him. That's just like it's like a cartoon world, like uh, except for a lot of murder and serious death. But <laughs> well, there is a lot of that in cartoons. Yeah, but they 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 bounce back. Generally. Literally, sometimes. Literally. It's called the squash and stretch. Is that the... It's an animation term. Animation yeah. thing. It's a principle of animation. Really? Squash, and then you walk. You squash so that's and stretch what a little bit, especially me. Doug Tenaple was talking about the principles of animation, how VeggieTales didn't follow it. So maybe that's what... Oh, yeah. That they didn't like... Boing. I don't know. They were very stiff, because there was old, it was old 3D. So that's why, right? They've gotten a, better, but yeah. There was technical limitation. Yeah. So Probably. anyway... Watch the last. That was a narc. long. We don't need these long stuff. That's good. And peanut butter falcon. Yeah. Weird news. This news is weird. <laughs> Mom's disbelief after returning home to find naughty puppy had eaten her savings. 
That's a weird headline. Mums. This is British. No, they they, they were the British like on. weird news more than Americans because I find all the best weird news in, on British websites. So mums disbelief. You have to say it like in yeah, but it's just structured funny. Anyway, so this mom was surprised to find that this puppy had eaten all of her money. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like, oh, I disbelieve this. Uh, she got home and had a hundred English pounds. Now I did the math, so you don't have to. Actually, I just searched on Google. It's about $132. So it's not her life savings. Uh, well, maybe it is, but she's just... Could be. He's pretty poor, maybe. Or maybe that's a lot of money over there. I don't I mean, know. Most Americans don't have any I don't savings. Know I don't know how it is. In... Everything's really expensive. I bet $132 buys you like a hard-boiled egg and a sausage link. 132 pounds? It'll buy you like one, a half of a shepherd's pie. No, it's 100 English pounds, which equals about oh, $132. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. But things are expensive over there. Yeah, a shepherd's pie. Maybe a shepherd's pie carrying case, so then, which is common there. <laughs> but she kept so then, it in like a, a, a vase. I always wonder how these stories get out. Like, does she call the local news? Does she I, call a, probably, a reporter and say, Yeah, that's a good question. My naughty puppy is eating my on savings. or something or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's what a lot of these Yeah, I do Reddit. get the feel that a lot of journalists just go on Reddit and they like, search, yeah. oh, it's on the front page of Reddit. And then this is crazy. Yeah. Or no. This is bloody wild. That's what they think oh, they're British. Oh, oi, 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 oi. Get a load oi. of this. <laughs> hey, Nigel. Are they Australian? <laughs> it's a, you know. Yeah, I get you. There's a, there's a spectrum. So what happened with this beer company? There's a beer company that actually named itself. Wait, can we say this on the air? Well, why don't you just use a, a euphemism? But it's fine. Doctors say this. Well, let's think. Okay, so if you're listening to a podcast and your kids are in the car. Your kids are in the car. And this word comes up. Do you go, ah, and reach for the dial or not? Do you? Yeah, I don't know. It depends who you are and what you care about. All right, I'll try better. I'll try to be euphemistic. Beer company accidentally named itself after the hair that is not on your head or your face or anywhere. Your arms or your legs. It's the hair well. that when you need to get the bikini wax, it's the hair down there. The hair down there. That works. The hair down there. That sounds like the name of an art, art film. See, the problem is if the kids are listening to the podcast, now they're more curious. This is now tantalized. <laughs> it's, this the is hair tantalizing. it's the hair kids will one day have. <laughs> hey, mom and dad, what are Kyle and Ethan talking about? <laughs> it's called public hair if you take out the L. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the opposite of public hair. So this Hell's Basement okay. Brewery in Alberta, yeah. so Canada, mm-hmm. started in mar- marketing Huru Huru. Huru Huru. A New Zealand craft ale. Like Maori. You know Maori? seen those guys? I went to New Zealand. They're the guys that make psycho faces to scare their enemies. Mm-hmm. So they're like... They're okay, like, so like natives. They go like, like that. You, you, you find any excuse to make that face on this podcast. They do it uh, seriously, though. Like They try to freak you out. So they were trying to pick a word that meant feather or fur in, in Maori? Is that right? Maori. 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 That sounds like a talk show. Uh, but yeah, so apparently that's kind of the lesser and common way for that word to be used. The most common way for that word to be used is to mean the hair down there. <laughs> so uh, they found out that they named their beer that. It's probably an IPA. Am I right? That's a perfect, yeah, that's actually a perfect name for IPA. <laughs> Factory malfunction causes chocolate rain in Switzerland. 
I just wanted you to say chocolate rain. Chocolate rain. Give him a little chocolate <laughs> rain. <laughs> it's not what it sounds like. It's the name of my rap side project. A Swiss candy company confirmed a malfunction in a factory ventilation system caused cocoa powder to rain down on the surrounding area. So people probably at first were like, why is everything brown? And then they're like... So this is like... Who was uh, the first one brave enough to taste it? This is like the old book, uh, Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. But... There's chocolate rain in that? It was like, you know, donuts rolling down the street. and Mm -hmm. They turned it into that uh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is called Cloud of the Chance. Which has the same name, but has yeah. not the, does not have the same plot. Hmm. Sometimes you got to add a lot of stuff in movies. Yeah, because the book is like a 30-page children's book. Yeah, like Fantastic Mr. And Fox. And it's like, oh, there's stuff raining from this guy. That's the whole book. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, there's actually a weather machine that made this stuff rain down. Yeah. <laughs> and the main character is a scientist who's estranged from his father. <laughs> we could probably turn any book into that just using that. Like you explain yeah. what happens with the machine, and then you say it was been by a stranger by his father. All Cow. Right. Cow surprises beachgoers by emerging from the sea. <laughs> Majestic sea cow. <laughs> <laughs> At least they see a couple horns poking just, up. Like, what the heck? Just the, it's slow motion with the water. Like, yeah. <laughs> was, it the, was it a mer-cow? Mer-cow pup. Cow. So they say the cow had been stranded on a nearby island when high tides came in and apparently decided to return to the mainland. <laughs> uh, just was like, all right, I'm swimming. So I'm trying to picture the beachgoers all sitting there. It's all there. frolicking and all of a sudden here comes a cow. <laughs> you think that's how they talk? I don't know. Not the beachgoers, the cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They always seem more nervous <laughs> to me that you're making a very authoritative cow. Yeah. They don't go, moo. <laughs> Well, maybe the majestic sea cow does. If the majestic be like, <laughs> that's much better. <laughs> and then, what if a whole herd like followed him out? Yeah, I'll come out. <laughs> Our time has come. <laughs> this is like a Spielberg moment. Some yeah, nineties movie. <laughs> the flight of the sea cow. Last flight of the sea cow. <laughs> And it was invented by a machine that, by a scientist, he was estranged from his father. <laughs> uh, newlyweds shamed for wedding cake that looks like burnt, mutilated cow flesh. <laughs> Are they shamed? Were they really shamed? They were shamed by their friends and everybody, like, because, uh, so I guess they were trying to do this you rustic this. look. It's supposed to look like leather. You know how leather looks? <laughs> it looks horrible, right? So it looks like if you, well, I guess uh, this rustic wedding thing is going. Can too I read far. this? Well, some said it resembled a crusty infected nipple. <laughs> male nipple. You can talk about male nipples. Uh, and others say it looked like a lanced boil. Like it was just this big giant. I'm looking at it now. Horrifying wound on the cake. And it just looks like, yeah, it looks like, like have you ever seen I see botched? what they, I see what they were going for, but. Have you watched those plastic surgery shows? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And like, they got to cut this all cut open and then they sew it all back together. And that's what the cake looks the like. The funny thing about it is I can't, I can't critique the execution. Like yeah, if the, you're trying to you make... Ask a, for a cake that looks like If you're leather. trying to make a cake that looks like branded leather, yeah. you did a great job. Yeah. But why do you want that? But why? This is... A, what is at the, a wedding. What's the Jurassic Park thing we, we spent <laughs> so long... Asking if we should. Asking if we could that if we, we forgot could. to ask why we should or something like something that. Something like that. I butchered it. Yeah. Well, yeah, the rustic wedding thing has gone too far. We have to have weddings in barns. 
with uh, mason jars and chalkboards and yeah, you know, bride wearing Ship cowboy lap. boots and <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the shiplapping of the bride and groom. It's, it's a ceremony now that they do. And now our cakes are yeah. This is ridiculous. Oh yeah, they're trying to get all rustic and backwoodsy. That's and what that's what I see this as, as a symptom of chic. The rustic, shabby chic, rust chic. Like can we? They don't want a white budding cake. They want it looks like it's made of wood, and then they kind of slightly brushed white chalk like yeah. paint on it. <laughs> all right, final one. This one's my favorite, and I'm sorry because some people aren't gonna like it. Woman catches Amazon driver mid squat pooing in her garden. <laughs> Pooing sounds like a British word. Is this another British? Pooing. Yep. It's, I think. I should read the headlines and just guess where they're from. And This definitely. one's worth reading the actual text of the story, so here I go. Yeah, read it out loud. In so there's an actual British photo of... She, she got her phone out and took pictures. You can see this guy doing it on, if you guys want to go to the link. Oh, I guess, actually, I guess Dan. There's, he doesn't show anything, so Dan can put the picture. Here's the picture. <laughs> uh, NHS counselor Sharon Smith, 53, said she was cooking in her kitchen when a van pulled up outside her home. A man ran from the vehicle towards her garden, and she followed him, suspecting he could be stealing some wood. One of those wood thieves. But the mum of two caught the man mid-squat, defecating on her property Oi. among the trees, and promptly called the police. Oi! Hey, coppers, there's a man squatting mate? in my garden! <laughs> Oi! <laughs> Sharon said he even asked what her problem was. Uh, while he's, okay, so he's pooing, and he's like, What's your problem? <laughs> And got aggressive as he tried to leave. I'm taking a right squat here. You interrupted me. She said... Are these quotes or did you make that up? I made that up. Okay. She said, this is real. I asked what the heck he was doing and he just remained pooing. That rhymed. <laughs> Whilst asking me what my problem was. The cheek of it. That's, she said that. The cheek the of cheek. it. The cheek of eh, it. Eh? Eh? <laughs> okay, and this is her. still her talking. He messed with the wrong... I can't do it. I'm, I keep I going to like a New Jersey accent when I try to do British. Just think like Cockney or something. Cockney. He messed with the wrong woman. I'm a blue belt in Taekwondo. And the anger and rage... Now I'm going, I'm going Scottish. <laughs> and the anger and rage he saw was enough to put the fear of God into him. That's definitely Scottish. <laughs> I love that she's like, I got Taekwondo and I'm going to take out this guy who pooped in my garden. You pooed in the wrong garden, mate. <laughs> now she's Australian. I made it clear I was calling the police if he... Oh, I'm not doing the accent. I made it clear I was calling the police if he, if he moved, he'd regret it. He emerged from the bush quite aggressive, but I was angrier than him, so kept him here to my husband, and then the police arrived. She said Amazon driver... The Amazon driver went on to deliver a parcel with potentially traces of excrement to one of her neighbors in Nuthall, Nottingham. <laughs> So this is the most British story. Police attended the scene and questioned the delivery driver who claimed he was desperate for the toilet. He said he was not feeling well and did not realize the grounds were part of a private garden. Anyway, I think it kind of gets... Uh, I thought this was just an ordinary run-of-the-mill garden that I could poo yeah. in, not a private garden. Have you ever... So you had to go to the bathroom so bad, you just went, like, you pull over and just went in the nearest bush. I've peed like that, but not, not pooed. Yeah, not pooed. I haven't pooed. Hey, Dan, you were a um, Amazon driver for a spell. Oh, yeah, Amazon driver. Be right before this job. Do you have any good poo stories? <laughs> Dan? He's I, not talking. I don't know. But, well, I'm just wondering, um, if, can you relate to this? Like, Oh, absolutely. 
Because you got because it's pretty intense, it's right? Big time crunch, right? Like the Amazon drivers, they're on a ten-hour shift, and it's like you have to work as fast as you can for that entire ten hours. There should be a toilet in the driver's seat. Of those yeah, things. and the thing is, old. you'll get sent to an area where you have no ability. You're just in a in a bunch of houses or commercial buildings, and you have no. Yeah, it's rough for those guys. I, I went, so I had to go to the bathroom. And I was just in a neighborhood in the middle of the night. And I just had to go. And I was like trying to find to get out of the neighborhood and find the city again. And finally, I was just like, I found a spot that didn't have a real stop, not, no big street light or anything. The person, the people didn't look like they were home, no lights on. And I just pulled up next to some bushes and hoped no cars came. And I just started going. And uh, it was really freeing. I felt like I felt very brave after I did it. Like suddenly, I was like, that is now an option I can take. My world is bigger. Did you feel connected, like with your primitive ancestors? Like, yeah, I felt like freedom. Like I wanted to ride on an eagle. You rip off your shirt. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I can pee. I rip my pants open. <laughs> I can pee if I want to. I can That's leave right. my friends behind. Because <laughs> your friends don't pee. Anymore. So, well, are we ready to do our- some real news from the Babylon Bee? I'm ready. All right. Are some of them. Once you're done signing. That scribbling you s- sound you hear. <laughs> the whole tower you better just... better get on now. Subscribe so you can get your signed book signed by Kyle Mann. The whole tower just fell over down here. So there's a huge like mess of books. Down here. Sorry. Okay. First story. Twitter apologizes after intern accidentally sets coffee on destroy all conservatives button. Oh, I'm not supposed to read that. I'm supposed to read the summary. That's okay. More details here. A large number of conservative and satirical Twitter accounts that criticized the left were shut down yesterday in what CEO Jack Dorsey says was a totally honest mistake. Dorsey claims an intern set their coffee on a button labeled Destroy All Conservatives, which is located in the common area near the coffee machine, and it's easy to miss if you're not paying attention. Oops. Oops. Honest mistake. Is that the classic? Why did we even make that button? Why do we even have that button? (laughs) So there was actually some suspensions this week, though. Yeah. So we talked Titania a bit McGrath, about that. Some other accounts. I, I saw Titania or uh, Andrew Doyle mm-hmm. post screenshots of all these different accounts that were parodies of woke, you know, students or woke teachers or woke this or woke that. that Jarvis all, DuPont. I all got he's suspended. Still suspended, I think. Is or Jarvis? She, she, I think. She? I think they? that's her. I think Jarvis DuPont's preferred pronoun is she, I think. So we got an email. Hello, your account, the Babylon Bee, has been suspended for violating the Twitter rules for violating our rules against platform manipulation and spam. So we spent some time, me and Seth, trying to click through and figure out what it was accusing us. Mm-hmm. And it said basically that we use multiple accounts to promote the account. And it's like one of those things where someone will create 100 accounts and then keep retweeting each other to seem bigger. Uh, and it was like, what is this even? So we couldn't figure that count out. if like you... Right, that's the bizarre thing is like... Ben Shapiro retweets the Daily got, Wire or Daily Wire retweets Ben Shapiro. Right. Is that technically that violates their huh. rules based on what we were reading. Because you and Dan's accounts got. And yeah. And I got locked out of my personal account. And Dan account, got yeah. locked out of his account, which is strange. But I don't think anybody else connected with us did. And me and Dan don't interact with the official account that much compared with like Seth. Yeah. Seth's always retweeting himself. He'll retweet there. himself on there more. The only thing I could think of is that it'll mention me and you. In the uh, in the tweets about the podcast, it's true. But I didn't get. I'm fine. And you didn't get knocked for it, so I don't know. Maybe because I'm verified. I think the most concerning thing was just that there was 
ba- there was a there was kind of an appeals process, but it was very uh, opaque, mm-hmm. and uh, we couldn't really tell what we were supposed to do to get our account back. Mm. You just you know you can just all of a sudden knock you out, and you don't have access to your five hundred thousand followers or whatever. Yeah, that's that was the scariest part when we came. Well, even I mean, yeah, it's scary to be, the idea that we completely deleted. But even when we yep. came back and realized they could take all our followers if they want to, because you know it was like five hundred for a minute there. Yeah, I guess they. We, I didn't know they all it takes time to propagate back to. Yeah, that was the thing. We, it looked like they deleted all our followers. Yeah, but I guess that's always how it does. How it happens. But uh, so the amazing thing that kind of happened out of that is. We not only got back our 550-ish thousand followers, where are we at now? Uh, close to 650. So we almost gained, we gained I think like we gained 100, about 100,000 followers. followers out of it. And a lot of subscribers, a lot of people that were we, sending in their support. We trended. Babylon B trended. It was actually top trending on Twitter, which is insane. To be on that top list is like huge. Yeah, during an election. I don't know if we've ever crazy. trended before. Maybe during Snopes Gate, but... Mm. Last summer. Oh yeah, I remember that. I do think I remember. We were probably trending. training during Snopes Gate. Snopes Gate. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I hesitate to be the kind of guy who's like, this is absolute censorship, and I they're know. trying to knock the conservatives. But then it gets us so many subscribers. But it does. <laughs> you know, it does seem. <clears throat> the one thing to me is it does seem it only ever happens one direction. Yeah. Like you never hear like. But do we really pay attention? You never hear like, oh, we accidentally banned CNN. You know, oops, oops we banned <laughs> like the onion. Like they would be so careful not to ban some like trans well, activist account or something. Analog to us on the left, is it the onion? Is that they're much bigger than we are? Yeah, I mean the like onion, small comedy. The onion would be the closest comparison, um, content wise, but like size wise, because they we have like five hundred thousand followers, they have like millions, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're comparable in traffic. Traffic, you know, traffic. Is, yeah, we actually, I know a lot of our posts do a lot better. Who knows? But yeah, they, they're just such an institution because they've been around for so long. It definitely feels like we're not even in their league. I, I never, yeah, yeah. I never when compare myself. Numbers, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they've yeah, been around so much longer. Uh, so meanwhile, Drag Queen Story Hour posts a uh, tweet where they say, love knows no age. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> this is the creepiest thing you can say on the wor- and they didn't planet. Get, <laughs> they didn't get banned or anything, right? Yeah, but they closed their own account down. Because everybody was slamming them. Yeah. Why would you say that? <laughs> like, what could be the other reason? Oh, no, we didn't mean that. Love knows no age. That's what it was. Love knows no age. I believe that's what they said. Let me make sure. It's very Nambla. Uh, the Drag Queen Story Hour UK Twitter account recently posted a tweet that many users deemed pedophilic. The group subsequently deleted the tweet and locked their account after pushback. Drag Queen Story Hour is a group that organizes events at public libraries, which adult men dressed as women drag queens read stories to small children. The controversial tweet read, Love has no age! Exclamation point, which many Twitter users noted is similar to sentiments expressed by pedophiles who maintain that their sexual attraction to children is not immoral similar. and identify themselves <laughs> I mean, that as is what they say. maps. A minor attracted person. I'm a map, I'm a map, I'm a map, I'm a map. No, don't do that. (laughs) No, don't. Don't say that in that context, Ethan. Is that their song? I'm a map. (laughs) Wow, I never made that connection. I didn't know maps existed I don't think anybody on planet Earth ever made that connection. (laughs) But I think that about a lot of connections that you make, Ethan. That's why I'm here. 
<laughs> okay, so maps. Let's get back on track. <laughs> speaking of maps. Uh Anyway, it does feel like it? it does feel like someone like that can pose. They can go as far left as they want, all the way yeah, up. Yeah, can say the most insane thing. As far thing. insane, you know, murder President Trump and communism. Guess, communism is great. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's like my thing. Is never like, what were they really on. trying to do? Like, what was the reason? What was going on that like? Because all these accounts went down at once. Yeah. So it's almost like someone there was like, let's just work on a. So there's definitely destroy all conservatives button. Yeah. It Don't hit it yet, and then, oops, we hit it. It definitely felt like, yeah, maybe it was an accident, you know, but it, de- it definitely feels like they have systems in place where they're identifying certain accounts as problematic. Yeah. There's something where they're working on an algorithm, yeah. in a little science lab, and they're playing around, connecting wires together. I don't know. I don't know how it works over there. But <laughs> That's how programming And then works. all of a sudden, <laughs> the blue light comes on, the red light's blinking. <laughs> <and they're> like, <laughs> Someone hit the button. We prematurely destroyed the computer. Took him down. We weren't ready yet. That yeah. was we were we weren't going to do that until phase three. Yeah. Oh well. They said to be ready. Anyway, thank you if you subscribe to the Babylon Bee because yeah, if of you're this. New. And we're like we're like blown away, and it really does help us. Uh, it really does safeguard what we're doing, because if yeah. we were to just get immediately kicked off Facebook and Twitter, we would have no traffic. It would really be a huge blow. So it was just amazing to see the outpouring. It really made me feel good that people like what we're doing and. And we never do this. We really should because every YouTube channel does it. If you like our show, subscribe and share and hit the like button. <laughs> we never do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I watch YouTube videos and they, they all do it throughout. There's got to be a reason. Like every five minutes. Yeah, there's got to be because people forget, I guess, because you're just watching like drooling and like, hey, you stop yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. Hit pause. Click the subscribe button. Hit the like because click on well, it right now. The thing about our, is our YouTube presence is that we, it's our weakest presence right now because we just don't yeah. have... Well, we launched the channel really late and we don't yeah. really, yeah. We don't have a big audience here. A lot of our videos get watched on Facebook and stuff. So it really is down to our YouTube viewers to help us kind of spread the word and get the uh, YouTube videos shared. Thanks, YouTube viewers. Thank you. Subscribe. All right, let's smash go. that like button. Sm- like Yo, smash that like button if you like what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll stream some Fortnite or something. Story two. Bril- oh, almost did you it. did it too. Sources are reporting that Trump has dealt a killer blow in his ongoing war against his sworn enemy, the United States Postal Service. In a move of sheer mind-blowing brilliance, Trump directed the post office to put his face on every single stamp, forcing the Democrats to reverse course and abolish the institution once and for all. Trump stamp. We've joked a lot about Trump stamp. Yeah, the Trump stamp. But we thought it was a tattoo on your lower back. Yeah. But it's not that. It's a postage stamp postage stamp with trump's face on it greatest president ever <laughs> that it says on there yeah <laughs> this was a submitted to us by a subscriber i think hmm. Hmm. we played with the headline a bit but it was submitted the original idea was submitted by a subscriber so what's okay, going on with this what is this mail thing because i'm like i'm almost lost i was hoping it. you knew do you understand it i it was like one day everything was fine the birds were chirping and mm-hmm. rainbows on twitter flies fluttering by it was great and then all of a sudden i just Outrage the postal service. So there's this there's this huge conspiracy theory that like Trump is trying to destroy the post office from within. Well, because Trump thinks says that mail in voting is unreliable, right? Which there's truth to that, correct? There is truth to that. They find. I think. I mean, I don't know. People die. They get like all these. It's easy to manipulate. Yeah, or it's easier for them to get lost. The question of how 
big of an impact the problems with mail-in voting would have as a legitimate one. Mm-hmm. It could be a very small percentage of votes that had problems with them. Because mm-hmm. even, even in electronic voting or, you know, ch- yeah. punching the chads, you know, you have controversy with it. But people think that it, it's orders of magnitude worse with mail-in voting. And it might mm-hmm. be. It might not actually affect anything because it would be a small percentage of votes that would be affected. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that big a deal or not. But it is weird that we can go out in the streets and protest but not go to the polling place. Yeah. That's so weird. it's like, why is... The, yeah. Or you can go to Ralph's. So so maybe... Yeah. I mean, we can grocery shop. We can go... We can po- we can poll. That's what Dr. Fauci said. Fauci. Yeah, he said, oh, I don't see no reason you can yeah, go to, you, you can't go, go to the polling get place. Get in the line. Just stay far apart. Wear your mask. So it feels to me like almost like that there, were, there, there was this conspiracy theory on the right, you know, that... Or, no, 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 on, yeah, on the right, that uh, that mail-in voting is going to destroy everything and whatever. Yeah, like the left wants it because they can like manipulate it. <laughs> yeah, this is why the left wants mail-in voting. Yeah, you know, because, because that's gonna, their conspiracy. The but then it's so weird to me that they're pushing it so hard, the mail-in voting, because it is weird. It's like yeah, the left. Yeah, now they're like talking like the postal service is one of the great American institutions. Yeah, because they. Line I grew up, up and I remember the smell of the paper in the mailbox and see, the mailman smiling at me in the morning. <laughs> Even though they've never mailed a letter in the last like ten years, <laughs> I, see that's the thing. Trump can make the most like accepted statement, most innocuous statement. Yeah, you know the post office is slow. <laughs> you know, and it's like all I've of, never seen anything faster what? than the post office. Post office is an American the institution. Is a cheetah, which is the fastest land animal on the planet. It's like a liger with a. It's like a cheetah with a one of those on like meth. a boat motor in the back of it, and just. You stuff a bunch of meth in his mouth, put on the motor, and boom. Boom. Fast. Tasmanian devil. So all of a sudden, I just saw these memes going around on the left. It's just like, the post office is our last, the last bastion, the last stand against <laughs> fascism. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what? I don't... This is such a stupid okay? thing to even fight about. I and don't then, Well, then there's all these uh, pictures going around of, a, of mailboxes with lock boxes on them. Yeah. On the front of that, I saw that. Who shared that? Re- Rex Chapman. Oh, they're all over. I don't know who that is. Somebody used to be famous, maybe. And people are really freaking out. What are they doing? This is Nazism. Yeah, which they just never noticed them before, right? Like they've been locking them for years. Yeah, to, to there's prevent, still a hole in the back to put your mail in to they prevent just, theft. It's to keep <laughs> yeah, prevent theft. It's people sticking their arms down there, or yeah. whatever. And so I guess it's a it's been a thing for I don't know a decade or more, at least since the Obama administration, that they would remove. USPS boxes that weren't being used as much. Right, because more the more email we use, the less mailbox we need taken yeah, up. Because space. the letter mailing numbers have been down for years. So I saw that the uh, the postal general, whatever postal grand master general, postal guy said something about how they're just going to kind of stop all the changes until the election because every time they move a mailbox or anything, everybody freaks out. Yeah, yeah and I thought it was so funny because it kind of <laughs> it kind of debunks the whole thing. Yeah, because he's like, oh, fine, yeah, we'll stop it. Yeah, <laughs> but also, like, can you imagine getting rid of all the mailboxes? Like, they're everywhere. Like, that would be quite an undertaking. To get rid of every mailbox? Every yeah. mailbox. Right. Well, I guess you, if you could just murder all the police, they're not the police, murder all the mail mailmen and women. Did you see that guy that was sitting out by his mailbox with, like, a gun or something? <laughs> I don't know if he had a gun or if he just had, like, signs or something, but he was, like, blocking off his mailbox. And it's like, not on my watch, Trump. You're not taking my <laughs> you're not taking my USBS box. It's just like what? And then there's all these other mailing services. That, yeah. I, don't, I don't It's a little silly. I just don't have silly. the energy to care about this. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Story number three. 
Parents are raising concerns after a teacher opened her Monday morning online class in full Antifa riot gear. According to witnesses, Willow Maven, a local first grade teacher and prolific scarf knitter, began teaching her online class not realizing she was still wearing a black ski mask and a jacket emblazoned with an Antifa logo. Wow. Sad. Okay, class, she began. Are we going to read the whole thing? I just, I put, I, I liked, I liked it up oh, there. Okay. Well, I, I figured we could read it, but I was just going to keep. Okay, class, she began. <laughs> Today we're going to review the alphabet. Repeat after me. A is for anti-fascist. B is for burning down symbols of oppression. C is for communism, the only compassionate system of government where everyone is equal. Good job. Ms. Maven was about to recite the letter D is for Drumpf, the bad orange man, when she realized that she was wearing her Antifa gear still, and she cut the video feed. Mm. Wow. Why do you hate teachers so much, Carl? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love teachers. So there was an actual I had great public school teachers, okay? I am a product of the public school system, and they were I have excellent. My stepmother is a great public school teacher. So I think when we make fun of teachers, we're making fun of a small but vocal and potentially dangerous minority of teachers. Right. Yeah, because there's different kinds of people that become teachers, right? Yeah. There's people that actually care about children. That's the minority. <laughs> oh, that's Maybe that's <laughs> Maybe, true. I don't know. That act- or actually, no. I think a lot of them care about children, but like then you have the other subsets of like they want to turn them all into little soldiers or whatever. Yeah. They want to change the world in their image. Or they... They think so highly of themselves that they think they ought to be above people. Those are the people that freak me out. Yeah. Did you see that thread? I don't remember. We talked about it on here. Matt Walsh ended up sharing it where the uh, teachers were talking about how they're worried now that the videos are going into the homes that parents are going to see them, uh, see what they're teaching. See what they're actually teaching. Yeah. And they were saying like, (laughs) what if parents interfere and uh, don't make it a safe space for the children to express their gender identity, you know, and all this. Yeah. Or you just hear how dumb it is. Like I, I was listening to my uh, my kindergartner on her online class for like two hours, and it's just like, just it's just reading nursery rhymes. Like I could do right. this. Yeah, but the whole time like, <laughs> I could do this, and it'd be way more fun because she's not staring at a computer. The weirdness of you know, she can, you can hear someone's brother yelling at her, and the other one of the one of the Zoom, you know, there's I know. Just all this stuff going on. Well, maybe that's what's going to happen. All these parents are going to go. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, we could do I this. I could do this. Yeah. It's nothing magical. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened with you guys, kind of. Not that, exactly, not that yeah. we can do this, but the this is absolutely bizarre, and we're going to go into homeschooling. Yeah. Yep. So this was actually a... Oh, there um, was a, oh yeah, go ahead. Prophecy fulfilled. Oh, yeah? Because the next day after we posted this article, uh, this guy, Elijah Schaefer, posted something that someone sent him. It was a screenshot of this girl's teacher, and it says... Hmm. And she's wearing this I can't breathe shirt, <laughs> teaching her students about racial injustice and fixing the corrupt system, supposedly an LAUSD teacher. Does it have any effect on the I can't breathe that George Floyd was saying it even when like they were like trying to put him in the car? He was saying I can't breathe. He's saying it like the whole time. Mm. <laughs> he wasn't know. just saying I, I, it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that with the yeah, not gonna, I should back away. Delete that. <laughs> Ethan always trying to get always trying to get some trouble. Uh, a thread where teachers talk about their concerns over parents. Oh yeah, we were talking, we talked about that. Although with the George Floyd thing, I did think it was funny that they were doing like kneeling. They were they were taking a knee to protest. 
We might have talked about yeah, this. That's weird, yeah. It's like you're doing the thing that the police officer did. Yeah. Knee, like taking a knee. That's I like the like, like we're going to abolish the police. So then the guy's not a cop anymore, but then like they want him to go to prison, but they also want to like get rid of prison. So then he's going to get out of prison. But like, how are you going to, what, and who are you going to, what? what's going to happen? <laughs> oh, look, Joel was writing our notes and he actually put that, um, that thread I was talking about, hmm. about the teachers that were worried. Yeah. Matthew R.K. said, this fall, virtual class discussions will have many potential spectators, parents, siblings in the room. We'll never be quite sure who's overhearing this discourse. What does this do for equity inclusion work? How much have students depended on the somewhat secure barriers of our physical classrooms to encourage vulnerability? How many of us have installed some version of what happens here stays here? To help this. That's scary. Yeah. While conversations about race are in my wheelhouse and remain a concern in this no walls environment, I am most intrigued by the damage that helicopter snowplow parents can do in honest conversations about gender, sexuality. And while conservative parents are my chief concern, Mm. I know that the damage can come from the left too. If we're engaged in the messy work of destabilizing a kid's racism or homophobia or transphobia, how much do we want their classmates' parents piling on? Wow. Wow. That's kind of frightening. And again, this What's is Twitter, this which amp- Twitter amplifies the is worst the people on teacher? the internet. Yeah. He's a teacher. Oh, Twi- Twitter, remember people, before you get all freaked out and angsty, that Twitter amplifies the worst people on the internet. I always have to remind myself of this because I'm like, oh, I can't believe how horrible this opinion is. It's got hundreds of retweets. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, these are the worst people on the face of the planet. Not this guy specifically. There's a lot of people. But there's a lot of bad opinions on Right. Anyway. I guess there was like a thing saying that the FBI said that the most common job among Antifa is teachers. But I guess yeah, I did that see was, that, but that I, was apparently debunked. It was though. debunked. Okay. So, so we see? we're fair. We retract our article. <laughs> There's got to be some. That's not what it was based on. We were joking about this woman with I can't breathe shirt. No, no we weren't. That was probably fulfilled. It was probably I don't know. I was just trying to figure out. I was like, is this a known joke that teachers are Antifa? We were trying to nail the joke about like the. Uh, about this virtual learning thing. Uh, actually, specifically, it was that thread that kind of did it for me. It was like these yeah. parents are saying, oh, man, what are we going to do? We've got a virtual school and we're trying to indoctrinate your kids and now you're going to be involved. The weird thing to me is how these in, like intellectual types are like drawn to mobs throwing cocktails <laughs> and burning police cars. Like, do you hear about... We, we were gonna, I think we, we missed talking about this, but there were like the, oh, the lawyers. lawyers. Yeah, yeah. They're like firebombed a police car yeah. and they got all these charges against them and then there's all these like everyone's like this is such injustice because they're i guess their minimum sentence is some like 37 years something crazy which is that's an intense sentence but i i still have a really hard time feeling sorry for him <laughs> well we don't have the tweet here but the bizarre the bizarre thing was that reporter that tweeted this out about these two lawyers that mm-hmm. threw the molotov cocktail into the car or whatever and he was like, these two smart guys, normal guys, just That's got... a man and a woman. Oh, man and a woman. Just got caught up in wrong place in the wrong time and yeah. <laughs> yeah. ended up firebombing a police car. Uh, Molotov cocktail landed in their hand. I'm like, oh, that's hot. That's fire. I didn't have that in my hand. I'll throw it in there. Whoa, cop car. Oops. <laughs> ah, fate has changed. I mean, I, I think about myself and all the times I walk by a cop car and in different circumstances, if there had been a Molotov cocktail in my hand and I had thrown it, I could have been in prison too. It could have been you. <laughs> it could have been me. It could have been any one of us. Anyone we else? are all, je suis 
lawyer. Name? That's what they always say when like uh, you're un- you know, unified with France or something like if something bad happens mm-hmm. to France. Je I've never heard that. I am Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when the, the, the what's his name? Hebdo when he when the oh, yeah, terror, yeah. Je suis Paris or whatever. Mm. Je suis lawyers. Mm. Yeah, I don't get it. I, don't, I can't imagine being a lawyer. That's a big brain vomit of a lot of things just coming yeah, up in my head right now. Anyway. We've moved, yeah, okay. sorry. So, good job, teacher. You feel bad for those lawyers? No, not at all. Zero percent <laughs> bad feeling. This sound, I mean, it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. I guess just general human empathy. But they're also lawyers. Sucks, maybe they can, they're probably no more better to be equipped than fight. Think that you're going to represent themselves? Maybe. I don't, I don't think anybody represents themselves. That only happens, psychos do. That only happens in the movies when they're like... No, psychos do. Like, Are you sure you don't want counsel? All the serial killer type guys. This is not, uh, really? Sociopath type well, guys. Why always see them with lawyers? No? Well, they, ha- they try to force them to have lawyers and they keep wanting to not. And they finally just... They hate their lawyers. I think, uh, yeah, a bunch of those guys, serial killer guys, they end up, and they, they just make it worse. They just make it way worse. Yeah, of course. The narcissistic type guys, which is a lot of those guys are, they can't stand other people talking for them. That makes sense. Well, topic of the week. So in an interview this week, we're talking to Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life, pro-life organization for right. students. Life for students, students for life. We were trying to get a Jane Falcon uh, from Students for Death, but she... Uh, couldn't come on, so did went with the other. Yeah, and she also thinks that we're racist, and yeah, because she loves death. Because she loves death, and we love life. What's happening? <laughs> but this is an interesting conversation. We weren't sure what we were in for. She was really funny. Uh, I think the best stuff's probably going to be in the subscriber portion, personally. But uh, it was a it was a fun chat. It was good. So oh, joy, well. enjoy, yeah. you enjoy, enjoy treat it. yourself, and we'll see you after after. And now, the Babylon Bee's Topic of the Week. Hello, Babylon Bee listeners. Ah. Hi. Our clothes have changed. Our clothes have changed because we're recording this on a different day. Yeah. Ah. Its main topic today is Students for Life Abortion. Where this is going the, well. The, the, the topic you've been we, waiting for. The topic you've been yeah. waiting for that you never talk about, you never hear about. Abortion. That's the hard thing. We want we, for life. we don't want to just not talk about abortion, but it does feel like one of those things that it feels like you just have the flash the flashcards of the, all the arguments everybody's all already the talking had. points. My body, so, my choice. Yeah, and then you respond with a life is sacred, and then I respond with. Oh, anyway, this well, is Kristen, and then Kristen Hawkins, Hawkins responds hi, with. Hi, What's Kristen. your flashcard, Kristen Hawkins? <laughs> abortion is violence, and it's the greatest human rights threat our world faces. There's Silence is violence. Card. Try to keep it to three, four words, please. Oh, yeah, sorry. Flashcard. <laughs> yeah, we're talking flashcard size here. <laughs> yeah, because that's the air you breathe, right? You have the abortion debate, or do you that's get right. into the debate anymore very much? Uh, you know, it's hard because, to be honest with you, they don't really like to debate. I actually just yeah. did a debate, which I didn't know was the debate, with an abortionist and a pro-choice theologian. Uh, for a Whoa. med school group, a, a Christian med school group in New York State at CUNY uh, a couple weeks ago. And that was really fun. But it was a Christian event, so I wasn't allowed to debate. I had to be nice and allow for discussion. So I had to allow them mm. to say their ridiculous things. And then I had to wait uh, you know, a good amount yeah, of time to then call them on their flower bed. bed. So um, that was a little <laughs> difficult for me, but it was fun. Yeah, you get a, I assume students for life, 
We, we, when I think of students, especially, are we talking like college students? We're talking college, uh, med, students? law, high school, and even some middle school students now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but especially college age, I don't think. I, I think uh, not so much for life. And also uh, like really angry about it. Uh, they don't like The ones that are anti are very passionate, right? So, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely the pro-lifers are way more vocal than the pro-abortion students. The, overall, with the polling we've done and the conversations we have on campuses, we had like 225,000 conversations last year with students about abortion. Um, overall, they don't like abortion, so they're not going to poll themselves as pro-life, but and they would call themselves more pro-choice. But then they mm -hmm. don't actually know what pro-choice is. And the majority mm -hmm. of them would say they don't like abortion. They wouldn't have an abortion. Um, but they're not comfortable being in the pro-life camp. So it's actually, for us, it's more of a outlaw. brand issue. Gotcha. Yeah, it's amazing how many people, I think, even would just dial the laws back, right? Mm -hmm. To like, yep. But we're in this, the culture is so extreme right now. Jump way over here, over here. Mainly, I was asking that question because I wanted to hear any crazy stories where. Uh, yeah, what's your coolest story? Give us your best where story. Where people are like, hey, you pro lifers, and they throw like a bucket of blood at you or something. We, you know, we get crazy stories. We, you know, ever since President Trump was elected, actually, you can see a statistically in increase, you know, in the number of vandalizations and the lawsuits we've had to, to, to wage on campuses. Um, but. You know, as things get closer to the election, it's going to get more intense. Actually, my last campus, I was on on a high school, a college campus right before coronavirus struck and shut us down. I was at Cal Poly um, and I actually had my first parade against me. And hmm. I had this big wow. banner behind me and it said, make abortion illegal again. And I went before my evening speech. And the, the goal was to drum up some interest in my speech that night. Because normally, you know, kids don't want to, no one wants to talk about abortion. So you kind of have to like bait people into coming. Uh, and so I had this banner and I was just walking to people trying to have a conversation with them about abortion. We were filming it. But then, yeah, they came out and had this like whole protest and surrounded me and had their chants. And um, I had about <laughs> two hours worth of dialogue and people screaming in my face and calling me every name in the book, but it was actually a lot of fun and it raised us a lot of money. So it worked out really well for me. Hmm. Have you ever had a brick thrown at you? Um, no, I mean, we had students praying actually during the coronavirus out in Bellingham, Washington, who had a mysterious substance thrown on them. Um, it got pretty hairy. They were, um, they were leading the 40 days for life effort. Uh, and the substance uh, was hairy or the situation was hairy. The situation was very scary. They had several oh, people. I thought get, you said Harry. Sorry. Yeah, we had uh, one student got punched in the face. They had a a Satanist come, start screaming "Hail oh Satan" from her car, and then she ended up like cyberbullying them for two months. And then they threw some substance on them. We had to call the police, and they had to investigate. It was it was it, it was probably the most intense activism we've ever seen from the pro-abortion movement. Um, and this was, you know, in March during kind of the coronavirus shutdowns and all of those things. I, I think it's important. And I kind of I have a challenge sometimes of not telling all these horrible stories because I don't want to have folks not get involved in the pro-life movement because we need more people mm -hmm. to be willing to speak out, and be courageous. Um, but then it's important to tell them because it, one, it helps us drive supporters and say, hey, like come support this these students like we need to empower them and give them the resources we need and it also gets actually there's a certain segment of people who go 
oh my gosh, this is like, this is crazy. I do need to actually stand up and say something. So I kind of, I, I try not to dwell on the negative too much because overall the positive is what we see is what is that we're winning. But yes, there are those insane, crazy stories that we, that we sadly have. Hmm. So what does students for life do like what's it actually look like when you guys all get together and sure i assume there's like meetings or whatever just what's the what's yeah. the, what is it potlucks <laughs> potlucks yeah. yeah you know us. Kind of um no we started about 15 years ago this is my 15th year we modeled the organization off of a political campaign of going to campuses uh and not waiting for pro-life students to find us but finding them and helping them start chapters so we serve about 1250 chapters in all 50 states um, and we work with, so we've got about 50 full-time folks spread out across the country in all the regions, and we work with those Students for Life chapters uh, to either start new groups or to mentor and support our existing ones to host events. So they're hosting educational events on their campus because we know this is the generation, I mean, this is the age group that's most targeted by the abortion industry for business, their predatory business. Um, and so they're trying to you know, change the minds of their peers. But at the same time, they're also trying to help women who are right there on, in crisis on their campus. So they're attempting to change policies. So we have a program called Pregnant on Campus. And that, you know, that's a huge thing of what our Students for Life groups do is actually try to change the policies on our college campuses, even our Christian campuses, uh, to support pregnant parenting women uh, and men. So no one ever feels like they have to choose between the life of their child and their education. All right. So you guys want to like, make college students be pro-life that weren't you want to like convert people absolutely right to the position so i mean have you, you get what are some good success stories you guys have with them yeah like we crazy have, pink-haired lady yeah, that's like, working pink-haired lady it's like ah, kill yeah. all the babies and then now they're like you know, save the babies, save the babies. Yeah. And actually, we have a lot of those folks who end up working yeah. for us, the, the folks that convert who are the hardcore pro-abortion atheist students who mm. uh, came into the pro-life movement, who are challenged, met somebody on their campus who started having a conversation with them. We kind of have an evangelical model of, you know, it's the, the strategy is belong, believe, behave on campuses where we want to invite students in. And you don't have to agree with us to come to our club meetings or to our events, but we want to invite you in. And we want you to hopefully give the pro-life movement a second look. Because as I mentioned earlier, there is a certain, even in the evangelical Christian world, you have this like certain like, I don't know if I want to be associated with those pro-lifers. Um, and so we have to invite people in to give a second look because once we know people uh, start to form and have a relationship with a pro-lifer in their life, they're probably going to be a lot more likely to actually listen to the words that come out of their mouth. Um, so we do have a lot of great conversions over the years um, of, of pro-choice young people that we've met um, on campus who then later become the president of the group and then sometimes mm -hmm. end up working for us. Um, so th there's a lot of fun stories out there. What about you? Did you, do you have a conversion story to the pro-life side or were you always... Um, I was pro raised baby. with in a pro-life home. Um, I, you know, I started working at a pregnancy center. I was asked to volunteer at a women's center when I was 15 from a woman at my mm -hmm. church. And I didn't really know it was a pro-life crisis pregnancy center. 
And um, I, you know, if you would have asked me then how it was an abortion, I would have been like, well, you know, I think it's wrong, but in certain cases like this case or this case. So I was pretty much mushy middle is how we identify kind of pro-choice. Um, and But then I walked into that pregnancy center and really got to meet the women who were directly uh, facing this issue um, and and really meet women, especially who had gone through one or two abortions previously and how really learning firsthand how it didn't actually, it didn't take them out of poverty. It didn't solve that problem. It didn't end the abusive relationship that they were in. It only exacerbated it and in a lot of cases prolonged those issues that they were having. So that was the summer when I was 15 where I, I just remember, you know, going, oh, my gosh, like, why aren't we talking about this at my church? Why aren't we talking about this at my school? Like, this big thing is happening. Like, thousands of people are dying every single day, yet no one I know is actually talking about. We we need to do something about this. The strange argument that uh, a child being born poor means they shouldn't live. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the, because you were yep. just talking about. Uh, you know, their life is so, is so much better if they just didn't have the kid. Mm-hmm. It's never said that it's just so many poor people have children and they're fine. <laughs> I grew up poor, very poor, low income housing. My dad was homeless. You know, uh, my mom could have aborted us. Mm-hmm. She probably would have, you know, gotten to follow her dancing career or whatever she's trying to do. But uh, she would have won an Academy Award. Yeah, maybe she, she would have won an Academy Award. She could have. Glo- Golden Globe, you know. And we would have been like, oh, so glad you, you killed us, mom. Thank you. But uh, what what would you say is the most convincing argument uh, that brings people over to your side? I guess that's the where that sure. would lead to. Yeah, for students especially. Yeah. For the pink-haired yeah. girl. You have to put or yourself them. more into a mindset of a liberal-leaning college student. So mm-hmm. it's actually very hard for me to do because I'm a very cons- politically conservative person. So that's Far why right. I actually have a Nazi. lot of mm-hmm. political liberals on my staff who are the mm-hmm. they're the best converters that I have. These are people who can talk and and they're processing the same way as somebody else on campus does, uh, and they and they convince them. I think at a higher and I can I know this from our stats from our conversions. They have higher conversion statistics than our hmm. conservatives on staff because they speak their language. Uh, what we're really finding is that uh, on campuses we talk a lot about violence and we talk about human rights and how hmm. this is this is unjust. This isn't fair. That these are members of our family, our human family, that science can't deny, right? Science is definitive mm-hmm. that these preborn children are human beings. We know that they're alive. Now, granted, I hear stupid arguments all day long with people saying they're not, it's not a human, it's not alive. And those are just scientifically inaccurate statements, right? right? So if, if you if you're talking to a thinking person, they have to agree with you that it's a, that what's inside of his or her mother is a human being and it is alive. And that mm-hmm. if abortionist is successful, I mean, think about this way. If an abortionist only knows success, if a heart that was beating is now stopped, that's what happens in every single abortion. A beating heart stops and it's mm-hmm. a violent act. It's not a natural act. And that's what really gets a lot of students thinking because they get it, right? They've seen the ultrasounds of their brothers and sisters, they, they know what's inside. There was actually a really great 
article in the Guardian last month. I mean, it's a pro-choice, very pro-choice leaning uh, you know, British newspaper. And they were actually blaming the state of disarray in the pro-abortion movement because of Planned Parenthood's outdated rhetoric, because they're still trying to use this. It's a blob of tissue. Yeah, yeah. You know, abortion is like having a tooth removed. Like it doesn't make sense e- e- to a thinking young person. They're like, we all know abortion is is greater than that. So it, talking about violence talking about justice and fairness, talking about discrimination. Um, we're going to have this conversation about black lives mattering, which they absolutely do. Well, then if you believe all black lives matter, then preborn black lives matter ha- have to matter, right? Um, and mm. then that, that really gets a conversation going. Yeah, I keep hearing this thing, uh, people that want to abolish the police, they're like, the police were started to track down slaves, so we should abolish them. Well, then uh, how about uh, Planned Parenthood? <laughs> and that started yeah. up to to bring down the number of the black people, yeah. in the, you know, so get rid of it. Yeah, we tried, we tried to paint that out in the streets of D.C. and then tried to chalk it. And two of our students just got arrested for that two weeks ago. And now I'm trying to do billboards with Planned Parenthood's founder's own statement. And I mm-hmm. can't find a national billboard company who will allow me to buy billboards. Now, we can Just force Christian cake bakers to bake cakes for weddings they don't support, but we right. can't force a billboard company to print a factual statement of Planned Parenthood's founder saying, we don't want word to get out that what we want to do is exterminate the Negro population. It's complete insanity, but that's wow. what I'm currently dealing with. Try to get it on a cake. You said Negro yeah. in quotes, right? That's, that's a great yeah. point. I should just start ordering up. that on cakes. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> I'm crazy enough just to do it. Just FYI. <laughs> Deliver it to we people. Charge, we charge for Hey, would idea. you like to have a cake that has Margaret Sanger's own words on it? And then we'll deliver <laughs> them to Planned Parenthoods. That's Yeah, deliver it to people that work in the, in the industry. Just so you know, read it before you have a slice. Otherwise, it won't make a lot of sense. Oh, I'm totally doing that. It's done. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> you could do videos. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I, I did good there. Yeah, so you should great. ask something. No, I was just thinking. You know, because <laughs> I, I love it. I get to this. <laughs> I get to this point. You know, when you discuss this topic, and it's yeah. like, and it's just the, it's just the, it. it's the flashcards thing. Yeah, it's the, it's the one side says it's mm-hmm. about women's rights and how dare you violate women's mm-hmm. rights. You know, and the other side says, well, it's a human. You know, it's and and they they they're having two completely different conversations. So when you mm-hmm. hit that impasse. I mean, so you're saying that like bringing up the science and pointing out that, you know, this is actually a human that does that work? I mean, mm-hmm. for well, me, it's, it's the always been this. Is, he seems like what she's saying is like there's trigger words right now. Violence, injustice, yep. right. unfairness. Those are much bigger words than unsciency. <laughs> think about all the. Uh, are you mansplaining her answer? Think, I'm <laughs> trying to mansplain to you. Are you I'm mansplaining to me. You I'm can only mansplain to her. I don't even get mansplaining. Don't worry about it. I'm saying that, the, that I think what she's saying is the generation right now, because think about all the transgender speak. Mm-hmm. You can throw all the science you want at them. If a person says they're a woman, they're a woman because they feel that and you got to go with it. Right. And justice, fairness. These are the mm-hmm. things people care right now. It's not fair. Yep. So I have to say fair is childish. <laughs> 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 Fairness does not exist, right? Yeah, so if I just I go mean, up and say justice? To your point, you, you will have, like, if I'm doing an event on the campus and during the Q&A, you'll have somebody come up and, like, it's women's rights, it's women's rights. And so 
you've got to change that conversation and say right. and say and say okay absolutely i believe a woman has uh, autonomy over her body however every right that you have has certain limits and then i actually try to find common ground with them of saying well do you think like two of my children have cystic fibrosis we do not go anywhere near cigarette smoke ever like if they smell it anywhere they're like what is that smell right um do you think it's okay for you to smoke up in a pulmonary ward of a hospital. It's your body. You're choosing to put potentially cancer-causing drugs into your system. But do you think you really have the absolute right to do whatever you want with your body, no matter what's gonna, how it's going to affect other people's bodies? No. No one actually believes that. Now, I have found some people who on campuses will argue for, like, absolutely anything as long as it's opposite as I am. But in the process, that then my point then is I just try to get a biggest crowd of people around me watching the conversation just to prove my point because it shows just how illogical um, and how unwilling they are to consider another side. So it actually wins more. They win more people over than I do. So I think it's – you got to – when you're talking about the women's right to her body, and that always comes up because that's their flashcard – I think you have to ask them how far they're willing to go in their extremism because nobody I know who, you know, is, is well-meaning believes that their body really can be used to the detriment of other people's bodies. And so it always comes down to what is it? Because what they're saying is I can do what I want because it's not human and it has no value. I have more value than it does, but what is it? What does abortion actually do? And so, the entire premise of the pro-life movement. And every time you do any debate about abortion in the pro-life movement, you're always trying to have to get that discussion back to the very basic question of what is it? Yeah. You have to have a philosophy to even t- to really debate it. Mm-hmm. And that we, we try to avoid that culturally. We try to avoid having any kind of philosophy. We just want to go, what is expedient? What is going to get the job done? What's yeah. easiest? What's going to solve the immediate problems? It doesn't work when you try to, this is, these are the, I, the things that bring it about. Uh, you have to have a philosophy. What is life? What is an individual? Yeah. I was always curious, uh, if a, people who are pro-choice believe that the fetus, which just means baby, let's be honest, uh, is a part of their body, right? Until it mm-hmm. comes out, it's, a, it's, a, it's as if it's like a thumbnail or, like a, or whatever. Can a woman go and get their fetus pierced? <laughs> They go to the, the body piercing shop and be like, hey, can I get a sweet ring gauge fetus piercing? No. Some people what? might actually try. <laughs> you, can they? No. I mean, it's just a body part, right? They can I pierce mean, you any can other body part you want. surgery in utero. I mean, they're, I mean, they're correct spina bifida yeah, in utero. So they just so need to get, yeah, they'd have to have they some. They could pierce a child could do in it. utero. Right. Yeah. But it's not but a child. It's just is, part of their body. That be ethical? Let's use a trigger word. Did that human person give consent for their body? Right. Because when you look at the argument right now that they're consent, saying about circumcision, right? Yeah. right? When you circumcise your son, you're not mm. you're not giving your son's consent to his own body by circumcising mm. him when he's two days old. I mean, there's like a legitimate huge consent you know movement big, right? against yeah. male circumcision because of that. So they people should be allowed to decide if they would have wanted to be aborted at a certain age of consent. Yeah, there you go. And then you can do it. Which is kind of how it is, <laughs> or yeah. not retroactively for normal people that live. <laughs> do you, do you find that people come over to your side like more gradually, mm, or is yeah. it like instant light bulb? Like, oh, like oh my gosh, yeah. I never thought about this. Or is it like a mix? Mind blown. 
it, I would say it's definitely a scale when I talk about, and we're doing some messaging testing right now and trying to convert these mushy middle women, which is I think the hardest audience, the people who say abortion is wrong. I don't like it, but I wouldn't tell my friend not to. It's, it just makes me want to like bang my head against the desk because obviously you don't get that it's wrong because if, if you really got it, you would tell people not to do it. Just like you would tell your friend not to abuse their child, right? You wouldn't say, well, I can't abuse my child, but what's right for me, you know, maybe it's different yeah. for you. <laughs> it, oh, it drives me up well. So we're doing like right. this $500,000 research study on it right now. And I, I see it very linear where it, it is. There is the extreme abortion whenever, wherever, taxpayer-funded all nine months, and maybe even after birth. Mm -hmm. That's the Democratic Party's actual platform on abortion, just FYI. And yeah. then there's people like me, abortion never. There's no reason ever for abortion. And I definitely see it being our, uh, a, a line. We have kids that I've met who've come to our national events, our conferences, and they'll say, well, I still think abortion uh, should be legal in cases of rape. And I say, Really? You do? And, you know, and then we start having this conversation with them. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the thing is, I'm not really that worried about them because at that point, they've already bought in. They're already mm -hmm. belonging. And it just takes a little bit longer because that is a harder position to take. Um, it is. I mean, you have to be philosophically consistent, but that's a hard position to have to defend. And so it mm -hmm. definitely is, I think, a spectrum. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we're doing right now, this, you know, fall on campuses of asking students to take a quiz of, where do you actually stand? Because you might call yourself pro-choice and I'm not going to debate your label, whatever label you want to give yourself, which you probably have like 15 of them. Um, but let's just figure out like, where do you actually stand on this issue? Because the majority of people, vast majority of them, they don't even know how extreme our abortion laws are in our country. The fact that Roe v. Wade and its companion case, Dover's won't allow abortion on their minds. Like I was an NPR a couple months ago and this uh, OBGYN called in and started yelling at me because I'm not a doctor so I can't talk about this and was debating me that abortion isn't legal in all nine months and I was like naming off abortionists I'm like go to Google type in Leroy Carhart and like t type in William Hearn like these are abortionists that commit abortions up into and sometimes in the ninth month um, but people don't it's so horrific most people do not believe it's actually true yeah what are the numbers on that like, I remember when I was looking into it a lot of states don't say explicitly that you can get an abortion for nine months, but if a doctor gives you reason, mm -hmm. then you can. And there's a lot of doctors, it seems, that are pretty liberal with that. Yeah. They can give yeah, any reason they want, right? Yeah, uh, it's about 11,000 to 12,000 abortions a year are committed on babies 21 weeks and older. So these are children that we know can survive outside of the womb. Um, you know, I had an intern who was born at 21 weeks and five days. Um, and these are children that science proves definitively. Can it's a young get. intern. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, it was, you, you, you're talking about 11 to 12,000 children a year that are aborted after 21 weeks in our country. Mm -hmm. So it does, it absolutely does happen. And, you know, like you think about children like mine, my two children, two of my children who have CF, 90% of children who are diagnosed in utero with cystic fibrosis are aborted. Mm -hmm. And this would be something the doctors would say, oh, it's totally, you know, this is acceptable because you're going to eliminate all of this, this suffering. And it's that misplaced compassion of eliminate the sufferer and not their suffering. Let's say our listeners are like, hmm, students for life. Yeah. Sounds. What if you're not a student? Maybe you still want to be for life. <laughs> so how can they, uh, how can they help your cause? 
Yeah, you can sign up and get, you know, updates on what we're doing. We are like the largest, you know, pro-life grassroots activism group. So we've got these 1,250 chapters. We also have um, chapters in cities called Pro-Life Future. And those are people for outside of college. So we have a lot of young professionals, late 20s, early 30s. You can join that. So you can go to studentsforlife.org, sign up, or go to prolifefuture.org. We also have a 501c4 sister organization, Students for Life Action. So we're knocking on doors, getting folks, calling voters, educating them. And that's studentsforlifeaction.org. And you can Follow us. I have a podcast explicitly pro-life um, uh, on all iTunes, Spotify, all those fun places as well. And what if they hate you? What can they do to You know what? Then listen to the podcast and maybe you'll hate me a little <laughs> less. I can't guarantee it. I am very comfortable that not everyone's going to like me. I'm okay with that. I know who it's image I'm made of. It's, it's okay. Is there a lot of swearing in it? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but not so much because we do have a lot pro-life. of older listeners. So we did call explicitly pro-life because my staff didn't think I could get through a whole podcast without slipping up at least once. But I've been pretty good lately. <laughs> can you say a cuss word right now so we can bleep it? Do you want me to? You want me to curse <laughs> you to bleep? Just say it's like anyone like, you want, even a mild one. Yeah. We'll bleep it because we like uh, to. We, okay. Um, a constant thought that goes through my head. Is what the flower bed they think? Oh, jeez. You went right for it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever use that one on the podcast. Hacksaw, turnip. So unchristian. Wow. Sad. (laughs) He fell for it. You know, that's a thing that I'm always striving. I know Christian is, you're (laughs) always messing up and you're always falling short of the glory of God. So I'm comfortable in what I need to work on. How about that? I feel like Satan. So I feel like Satan saying tempting F-T-M. Jesus in the desert right now. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> and you just, just say the cuss word, and all of this will be yours. You're the one who told me to say it. I'm good. <laughs> you fell for it. Gosh. You wanted right, to bleep well. it. I think it'll be actually pretty funny to hear myself yeah, bleeped. I've never gotten bleeped before. We don't get a ble- we don't, Well, we do a different thing. You'll hear. It's we put a fake word in. Yeah, we oh, kind of like oh. you know the old cable shows. Or they'd make a cable version of a movie and they'd just change, have a voice actor do a different word over it that didn't oh, make any sense. Oh, great. I can't so we have a voice actor that comes over and says, usually says flower bed. <laughs> it's usually the word. We have other words too, but that's the popular one, especially for the F word. Well, I was going to end this interview just now, but I just looked up your Twitter and you've got a picture of you standing next to Mike Pence. Oh, oh yeah. You're hanging, out with, hanging out with old Pence. I suddenly so you, became more interesting to you. I like it. Do you have any <laughs> cool Mike Pence stories? <laughs> He's great. I love Mike Pence. I lived in Washington, D.C. for about 10 years, and I don't really trust most politicians. I don't really like most politicians. Now that I go I go into D.C., I want to get Hacksaw. out of D.C. as fast as possible. But I oh, man, really do love our vice president. He's an amazing human being. Um, yeah. We've done roundtables with him, with our, our pro-life students. Um, he just, he really is, he is the real deal, which is, it is so rare when you meet a politician who's absolutely the real deal. I've become um, pretty close with his daughter, Charlotte. Charlie is, and she's fantastic. She's actually working on a project with us right now on chemical abortion. Um, and it's just, you can just tell with, you know, when you meet someone and then you meet their family. Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, like, I do kind of fangirl actually behind me. I have like, I think two or three pictures of Mike Pence, <laughs> um, wow. but I got Dave Matthews and then uh, Mike Pence. So there, there you go. Dave so is in that like order. right here. He's right here. He's always, he's always in front. So I'm going to convert Trump, him. He's the one person that I need to convert. Yeah. And then I can retire yeah. from the pro-life movement. 
So if Trump died, like you would be sad, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind I of a blessing in disguise. Right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said chemical abortion. That just you know, people that are like pro-choice are generally like, hey, you gotta like non-GMO. You yep, gotta be all exactly. natural. Doesn't make sense. You gotta eat it? vegan. I can't believe it's not meat burgers. Blah blah blah. And they're like. And also boil fetuses and horrible chemicals. Yeah. No, chemical abortion is like, it's the drug sweeping the country. The abortion industry has been. How's that fit? They've been, they literally just sued during COVID that women shouldn't have to go in and get a blood test or an ultrasound or all these things that the FDA recommends for women to, to ingest. It's called, it's chemical abortion. These are drugs. These are chemical <laughs> drugs. Horrible. That induce abortion. And then they tell you the way you d- it's cheaper for them because they don't have to pay for the disposal of the body. So they tell her to sit on the toilet, flush, and don't look. Oh, so we oh, also gosh. sometimes call them toilet bowl abortions. Um, but that's like oh. their new thing. It saves them a ton of money. Um, but that's uh, it's something that we need to be talking about more as Christians and pro-lifers yeah. um, as to why these these drugs are, you know, they are abortions. They'll, they use these words mm-hmm. like, we're just inducing a miscarriage and you're going to go home and have your miscarriage, which is like the biggest freaking insult to any woman or man who suffered a miscarriage of a mm-hmm. child they desperately wanted to, to say that, oh, it's just a miscarriage. That's all it is. It's yeah, like it's so not a big deal. insulting. So mm-hmm. insulting. Um, so we're we're talking a lot about that. I mean, uh, to your point, I actually use um, on campuses, we have a display called Green Sex, and we actually talk about something called natural family planning because all of these hippies and, you know, holistic liberals, they all are about what you said, the impossible burger and eating vegan, all this turnip. But then literally what they do every single day when they wake up is ingest an artificial hormone and birth control pills and put it in their bodies for decades. And that we know has long term lasting effects that like literally changes the way your brain works and who you're sexually attracted to. But you can't have a discussion about that because that's that's women need birth control and they need abortion in order to be free and in order to achieve what men have achieved, which is the most you know sexist thing I've ever he- heard. But I hear it all the time. You ever think that the uh, United States and the West in general is just a giant pagan sex cult? <laughs> we just don't want to admit it. It's it's it's. Do you, you ever know, think that person? It's it's right, it all comes, I don't know. Do you that's see, a, that's where they'll compromise, song? right? Yep. All the compromises come down to free sex. Yep. All you know. Like no, this no... is the, the thing that gets people. There's always like one statement I'll throw out in the room just to like make everybody in the room get really angry with me when I'm speaking on campuses. Um, and it used to be that there, I would say, well, there's only two genders, and like everybody would lose. Their Pterodactyl. Genders. Now. When oh I what I say on campuses is, um, well, if you're having sex, you have to understand. If you're having heterosexual sex, you have to understand mm-hmm. that you are consenting to the fact that you may create a unique, whole living human being that's never existed before and will never exist again. And their minds are blown because mm-hmm. no consent to sex is not consent to pregnancy. I'm like, but wait a minute. You understand how biology works. And if you're having, I'm not saying homosexual sex, but I'm saying heterosexual sex, you realize what could happen. And that freaks them out. They get so angry because they're saying, no, that's totally different. Well, no, that's Mm -hmm. just being an adult and accepting that every action you take has consequences. Yeah. 
just like the chocolate cake I had today for lunch has consequences <laughs> that my blood sugar is crashing right now. But yeah. Yeah, this ridiculous analogy that no one would ever think of where there's like a cliff and they're like, okay, if you jump off that cliff, there's a whole universe down there that you are going to be responsible for when you land in it, which is, is amazing. But you just need to count the cost of like, it's a whole life-changing world. So uh, be careful. And then they're like, you know what? I'm going to get some people. We're just going to wrestle a bunch on the edge of this cliff, but we don't want to fall down there. We just want to with wrestling on this cliff. It's really fun. But then just what's the wrestling abortion? around like a, Parachute. Abortion. Oh, I guess abortion would be a, just drop a bomb down there, blow yep. up the universe. There well, they actually they Kill actually them all. refer to abortion as a parachute. So, Lady Parts Justice League, which yeah, that's not a, just had to change their name because it wasn't inclusive enough to people who think that they're women but they don't have lady parts who can't get abortion. So they just changed themselves. Now they're abortion AF, abortion all access front, or you know what AF stands for. <laughs> you don't bleed me okay. again. What does AF stand for? <laughs> <laughs> no, because you're going to chastise for our, We have a lot of homeschooled <laughs> listeners. They don't know what it stands for. I'm just trying to inform them. Well, it, for their official title is abortion access front, but AF st- stands for, you know what? Uh I'm not going to say. All you're, the kingdoms of the world. All the kingdoms of the world will be yours. As Absolutely bed. fully. <laughs> At the fullest. I feel like we should I ask Kristen the I have an anti-abortion AF shirt this summer. Yeah, she's fun. I wear it when I'm in San Francisco. She'd be good at the tank portions. We can just go a little bit longer and, and put in questions. the subscriber portion because yeah. it's a free subscriber portion. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna, can, do you have more, a little bit more time or how much time you yeah. got? No, I'm good. Sweet. Good job, Kristen. You talk good. You're a good talker. Great talker. You're a great talker. And uh, we're going to continue that talk. Good, talking. Good talking thing. We talk good more in subscriber stuff portion. Oh, are we going to do hate mail? Yeah, but I just wanted to like say because it's oh, yeah, transitioning out. Right. That's right. So you you want to finish that conversation. Stay tuned. Yeah. 10 questions and everything. All right. It's time for hate mail. I really miss Adam Ford. I was confused by this hate mail. <laughs> As always, I think the kind what of... What were they referring to? Because it feels like we're like, well, I'll just let you read it first. Well, I think, okay, let's read it and then we'll talk. Okay. Complain. Shame on you for your stupidity in mocking Pastor John MacArthur. You obviously thought you were funny, but you are pathetic and immature. These are terrible times. And Pastor MacArthur is being a true example of salt and light. And you are disgusting. You would be smart to take example from the life he has lived and from his efforts to be encouraging during this strife our nation is experiencing. Instead, you make a play at idiotic jest. Almost got Shakespearean at the end there. Idiotic jest! You make a play at idiotic jest. Forsooth, (laughs) you make play at idiotic jest. What is she talking about? Because we're like, you're like a MacArthur sycophant. Sycophant. Stan. Yeah, if it weren't wrong to worship him, I would. MacArthur Stan. If it weren't wrong to worship MacArthur, I would worship him. Like every MacArthur story is always like, MacArthur is Braveheart, or MacArthur is elbow dropping somebody, or MacArthur is like Leonidas. Yeah, at best, at <laughs> he best. He's almost God. We'll make fun of him like, and his opponents or whatever at the same time. Like the first MacArthur article we ever did was that he builds a wall to keep the charismatics out of his church. Hmm. So it's like comparing him to Trump, but doing like, because he's mm. anti-charismatic. So it's kind of poking fun at his like anti-charismatic bent. But where did we make fun of? But it's something that MacArthur fans would 
be like, hey, that's funny. Yeah. At the same time. It's kind of like the Trump. Maybe not this one. But not this fan. Yeah, I don't know. Because nothing we do like... What have we done Especially recently? lately with all the MacArthur stuff in the it's news. All it's been all like, been like, Newsom's yeah. Satan. Yeah, we're all making him a Newsom. But MacArthur's like Moses. I'm really curious what story she's referring Leading to. Leading Grace Community Church to the promised land. Should have like looked back. Go down, stories. MacArthur. <laughs> let my people go. I just watched that video again the other like Our let my people go thing? Yeah, and I was like, man, it feels like we made this so long ago. How long ago was it? It was a few months ago, right? Oh, yeah. But it's just like crazy that we're still in the middle of lockdown and everything. That's still thinking, going on. It felt like we were so far into it then. Uh-huh. So dumb. If you guys haven't seen our Go Down Donald. Go Down. Uh, on the YouTube channel. Donald. With a yeah. song. So anyway, I'm sorry, uh, Annette, who sent us that email. I'm sorry. We weren't really making fun of MacArthur. Yeah, we like him. If you haven't noticed, we like him. We're and, fans. Uh, we, did, we actually got a lot of people angry at us for talking to Phil Johnson and supporting the church for opening up. And uh, Oh, yeah? People were mad at us? I don't know. John MacArthur calls down fire from heaven to consume prophets of Newsom. That was one of the most recent. That's good. You see, he's like a prophet bringing down fire Elijah. from heaven. Comparing him to Elijah. That's a pretty good thing to compare Very him to. Pretty good. We said uh, Newsom sneaks into the church to steal all the hymnals. So yeah. it's, that was a sequel to our uh, Newsom being the Grinch. Timing-wise, that seems like that could be it. I don't know. Maybe they think that we were being pro-Newsom or something. I don't know. Or, you know what? Maybe it is. Sometimes in the copy, we'll make a joke about, like, they don't believe in miracles, or which isn't mm. exactly true, but about them being uh, cessationists. So maybe they, like, read the copy and said, hey, wait a minute. This joke's making fun of MacArthur. Outraged Governor Newsom orders furnace to be heated seven times if John MacArthur will not bow before him or whatever. So maybe they just saw the Photoshop of MacArthur sitting in, in flames. Fire, yeah, in flames. And which is funny because his face is just very straight and solemn <laughs> as he burns. All right. Are we good? Are we going to subscriber portion? Let's do it. Okay, if you want to be a Babylon Bee subscriber, I think Dave's about to tell you. BabylonB.com slash plants. Subscribe, support us. Thank you, everybody who subscribed. New subscribers and our old timers. Uh, the old timers. All you freeloaders, we still love you. Mash that subscribe button. Click that like. And don't forget that bell so that the notifications, because YouTube, they're trying to suppress us, man. Until next time, this yep. is the Babylon B. I finished the pile. Got two more. That was the last one. Oh. Wow. Timing. Boom! (laughs) The rest of this podcast is in our super exclusive premium subscriber lounge. If you're not a Babylon Bee subscriber, go to BabylonBee.com slash plans for full-length ad-free podcasts. Access to our headline forum, 20% off the items in the Babylon Bee store, a gift, and more. Please drop us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. Feedback and love mail go to podcast at BabylonBee.com. Follow Ethan at AxCop and Kyle at the underscore Kyle underscore man on Twitter. Kyle and Ethan would like to thank Seth Dillon for paying the bills, Adam Ford for creating their job, the other writers for tirelessly pitching headlines, the subscribers, and you, the listener. 
Until next time, this is Dave D'Andrea, the voice of the Babylon Bee, reminding you to go forth and repeat to yourself, I am right, I am sincere. Anyone who challenges me is a tool of Satan. Thanks, YouTube viewers. Thank you. Subscribe. All right, let's smash go. that like button. Sma- Yo, smash that like button if you like what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll stream some Fortnite or something. <laughs>